English from BibleandBusiness.com is back again today. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. It's good to, it's good to talk with you. It is. So, um, Peter Kapsner and I were just talking about the way young people feel about getting married and having babies, their, their sense of uh, kind of a dystopic future, and therefore maybe there's no need for all of that. They also imagine, um, and this is like what research tells us, there's a Pew Research study released um, earlier this year that says that American high school to, American high school students, in terms of their expectations about the future, um, put finding a fulfilling job as three times more important than having a family. Um, so they think that they are going to find their meaning, that they are going to fulfill their purpose, that they are going to be all that they can be by doing something, by a by having a particular occupation or a particular job. Um, and I am I am worried about that. Well, and you should be right. I mean, they grew up getting trophies for doing almost everything, and whether they actually succeeded or not, and um, uh, that is really a big part of our culture today. What you do, right? I mean, this this article that that we're going to reference here, it's in the Harvard Business Review, uh, published on November 19th of this year. It's called The Unexpected Benefits of Pursuing a Passion Outside of Work. And uh, <clears throat> this article talks about how work is now a status symbol. The more busy you are, maybe the better uh, title you have, that becomes a status symbol in our culture rather than just a, a set of responsibilities that you're fulfilling. That has bubbled down, I think, to the young people, and that's why they're so worried about uh, being successful in their jobs and doing so well. I think life today is kind of exhausting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, right? It is. I, I mean, the expectations not only of of what we are going to do for our employer in the context of, you know, what we might have historically considered regular work hours, whatever those are, um, but all of the expectations that are placed upon us as laborers by other laborers, um, who expect to find their friendships at work, which I, you know, I'm just going to go right here on record and saying, you know, you, you got to be, you got to have friends outside of work. You can't, that can't be the place where you find your fulfillment and your friends um, and the place where you think all the parties are going to happen. I mean, you know, it, your birthday ought to be celebrated by people outside of the office. But, you know, it's interesting that, that you say, I agree with you. I, I think your best friends ought to really probably be outside of work. But it's interesting in Gallup's um, <clears throat> um, engagement materials that they are selling by leaps and bounds to corporate America today, one of the 10 things that they look for in a highly engaged employee is somebody who has really good friends at work, right? I mean, that's, that's just what their research has shown. And maybe it's because they become more engaged because they have their friendships at work, so they stay at work longer. They, they tend to like their work better. And, uh, and what they're actually doing, what Gallup is not looking at, is how that deprives them in their personal life of potentially some good friendships. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I think, and I, and I honestly don't know if this is right, but I, I tend to think it is. People over 30 or 35 tend to only have about two or three really good friends, and we don't have a large group of friends once we start to hit our 40s and 50s. We only have a few friends, and that's it. And if those friends are at work, then what do you have outside of work would be my question. Well, and increasingly, you know, people are not um, 
they're either not married or they're divorced or they're not friends with their spouse. And so I think that when we talk about primary relationships, we are putting an awfully big weight on work. We are we are expecting work and the work environment to carry the freight of fulfillment, to carry the freight of friendship. Um, and and yet we we know that at least my generation and everybody younger than me, you know, we're we're like um, uh, we're like. I don't know, ping pong balls, something that just hops around a lot in terms of work. Like, right. We're not we don't go to work in one place and stay there for 35 or 40 years. No, you're right. We, we do hop around uh, and maybe we do tend to not try to find our friends at work because our experiences at church, because our experiences in community, because our experiences in marriage have just really been disappointing. Um, I have a, a, a friend from high school who called me a couple weeks ago, out of the blue. I haven't heard from this guy for 40 years. And he and I sat next to each other in band. We both played trumpet. We actually grew up together. We From like first grade through 12th grade, we were together. And he calls me and he says, he says, you know, Bill, I don't have any friends. And I, I, you know, the reason I work so much is because I'm so lonely when I go home. He's been divorced for like 20 years. Good guy. Um but he goes, I, I, I'm so lonely when I go home, I would rather just work. And so he works uh, one and a half jobs, and, and that's his life, and yet it's killing him. It's just he's, he's literally rotting from the inside because of it. Okay, that, it, it, um, not only for that individual, but because that is the reality of many people listening right now, they're now thinking to themselves, I, I have to figure out how to pursue who I am, my identity, and my passion, what on earth I'm on earth to do outside of work, because I am um, I'm not finding that fulfillment at work. And yet I continue to expect that I'm going to uh, when we come back, Bill, let's talk about some some ways that we can find our passion, fulfill our passion, um, pursue our passion is probably the best word. Pursue our passion outside of work. My conversation with Bill English from Bible and continues in just a moment. Okay, continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We're talking about what we're passionate about and then where in the world we pursue those passions um, and why pursuing work as the place where we are going to be fulfilled in terms of our passion, That while that may be true for a select few uh, among us, in reality, the pursuit of a passion largely happens outside of work or maybe should happen largely outside of work. So, Bill, let's talk about um, ways to identify our passion and then pursue those passions um, outside of work. Well, the way that I look at it, um, at least how I would do it, is, is to go and say, what do you really care about? What are the things that that you care about? And whether you get paid for it or not, is there a way that you can invest some quality time in it? So that's that's the thing I would look at. I think whatever you care about, it's probably going to have a lot of purpose to it. Purpose that, that uh, it fulfills some uh, intrinsic value or some intrinsic goal that you're really after. So, you know, passion, purpose... Uh, those kinds of things is, is what I would be doing outside of work. What do you care about? And then how do you get at it? So here are um, some of the questions that I ask when I'm in a conversation with somebody that's just deeply desiring to 
um, change their life, frankly, by by changing their perspective on um, on this particular conversation. I ask them what breaks their heart when you look around the world, when you look around your community, when you look around your home, whatever, you know, where however wide you want to cast your vision circle here. um, What breaks your heart? And if that is something that also breaks the heart of God, that's your passion. And and you can you can then uh, you know you then have reason to stay up at night. Like whatever keeps you up at night, um, maybe your passion. And so if I look around and I see a harvest of unrighteousness in the world, um, I can either complain about it or I can grow depressed about it, or I can start tilling the soil and moving the rocks and sowing seeds of peace in order that a generation from now there will be a different harvest in the culture in which I live. And so um, what what we're passionate about is often easily identified by what breaks our heart. So we actually, um, as a as a staff community, just, I don't know, maybe it was just last week, we, we actually sat around and talked about what is it that breaks your heart as you, you know, as identifying a point of passion. People gave all kinds of answers. Not all of those are going to be pursued in the context of our work together. In fact, most of them will not. Um, we are probably, uh, you know, not going to figure out how to bring an end to human trafficking. But we can elevate ministries that are engaged in that, and we can raise the the, the awareness and the consciousness of our listeners related to that. Um, and we can help people find others who share their passion in order that together they could apply themselves to that particular uh, ministry objective. And so when we when we think about a passion, I'm wondering where or how you think we find other people who share our passion in order that we can get out there and pursue it. Uh, I, I think we have to go find ministries, uh, whether it's at church or a parachurch ministry, we have to go find other groups that are already working in these areas and we go join them. To me, that's how you would do this. Uh, now, what if you don't have, <laughs> what if there's no ministry out there doing that? Well, then you got to look at whether God's calling you to start a ministry or or, or some kind of a organization or not. But um, that's how I would do it. I would say, who else is doing this and can I get on board? Okay, so um, I don't think that's that hard to do. I I tend to see people thinking that they're the first person who's ever thought of it. Uh, I'm the first person that's ever been given this vision to bring an end to this or to start this. And so they then they go and they try to start their own ministry. They start their own nonprofit. They build their own board. They 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 try to aggregate resources, financial and otherwise, around it instead of doing what you just said, which is go find out who already shares the vision. Go find out who, you know, whom God has already called to this. Um, I mean, I have a point of passion that I'm pursuing outside of work, and I am currently like seeking out other people who are already doing it because I am confident I am not the first person to have the vision. I'm not the first person, you know, that has like awoken to this concern. Um, and so I need to go and I need to pursue others who already have the vision, who are already actively working in the space, and I need to join them in what they're doing. But that goes against sort of the American um, individualism and and the idea that the only reason that it's broken and not working is because I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When people run for office yeah. and they're like, I can go fi- fix Washington because everything that is broken <clears throat> about it is just because I'm not there yet. Well, first of all, that's just total egomania. Um, and it, and, <laughs> but right. But, but we, do, mean, that, we, we do that in ministry as well. 
We do. We imagine that the reason that something in the culture is broken is because we, we, the, the, the individual I, has not yet shown up to help. Um, and that may be part of it, but you need to join in what God is already doing. Well, do we ever look at something that we want to start and envision ourselves failing? No, we always look at something that we want to start, and we, as we run through the future, we're always successful. And that's, that's part of what yes, leads I us do to... Not, I do not plant my garden with the expectation that it will not produce. Yeah. But, but I should. I mean, there's a, I should. Like, I'm, I, you know, in fact, I already know that I am a failure at growing certain things, and so I should stop planting those things. I should just plant the things I'm really good at growing and then go find the people that are good at growing the things I'm not good at growing and trade with them. There you go. Well, that's capitalism. That's the free market. Well, there you go. You know, there, there are people out there, though. I'm sensing that there are people out there going, yeah, pursue a passion. Are you kidding me? I don't have any money. I don't have any time. I get home from work and I'm tired as that's, a dog. That's because we work too much. That's, that's, so we got to get our employers on board with this. And we have to say, you know what? Yeah. I would be a better employee. I would be a happier person here at work if I were a happier person outside of work, which means I have got to have um, a little margin. Um, I got to have some margin so that I can have a life outside of work that uh, that allows me to pursue this thing that I'm passionate about. Uh, and I just think we have to start having those conversations. Productivity would go up at work if people were happier. Well, and there's, you know, my, my challenge to business owners would be, why don't you give the employees eight hours a quarter to go volunteer somewhere? Nice. Give them, like give them a day off every three months and let them go volunteer somewhere. It won't kill you on your payroll versus productivity ratios. It, it, just, it just won't. And, uh, but, but for those who, who are listening to this going, I'm discouraged. I don't have a passion or I don't have the energy to go to pursue a passion uh, my my thought for you and my my encouragement for you is just to go spend time with God and ask him to build into you a passion that matches the talents and the skills that he's given you and let him build that energy and that that passion inside of you. If you're if you're really tired, you're depleted, all that go to the Lord and spend some time with him and let him fill you first. Amen. Amen. Look around and say to yourself, what breaks my heart? prayerfully, like what really breaks my heart? Is that something that also breaks the heart of God? Um, whom, who, who else has God already called to address that in my community or in my country or around the world? And how can I align with them in some way, in some way? And start with prayer, right? Yep. I can actually pray at work, during work, for the things um, that are breaking my heart and about which I'm passionate. Yep. And prayer, prayer is not doing nothing. Prayer is doing something. Very good. That's all I, that's all I got on that. And hey, that's Bill what English. I got, too. <laughs> Thanks so much, my brother. I really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. Uh, we talk to you next week in the lead up to Thanksgiving. <gasps> yeah. Get I'm, ready. I'm get here ready. On We're going to do something. Okay, we'll get ready because it's the Thanksgiving show, now, basically. Oh, so, so Paul's going to have want, a turkey here I'm gonna in want, studio. Let me just tell you in advance. I am going to want to know what is on your Thanksgiving table. And if you have like a signature dish, you're going to have to share the recipe. Oh, okay. I will. That's, that's I will. what we're going to be. Next, next Wednesday might just be cooking with Carmen. We'll just see. We'll just, okay. Who knows? All we're right. We're going to cook something up. All right. Thanks, All right. man. All right. Take care. Bye.